we're live. Hello. Thank you for joining us and being here with us today on our uh, live version of the podcast, Let's Become a Beloved Society. These are conversations illuminating your path to wholeness, and we hope that you enjoy our conversations here. If you'd like to join in with the conversation, you can call in to the phone, the studio phone here at 907-351-3003. If you're international, you may need to add the one to that. You can also send an email to questions at walkingthroughyourwalls.com. And you can do that either uh, during the show or at any time. Same with the phone number. Hello, Amber. Thank you for joining us and being here. It's always exciting to know we have a live person in the audience to engage with us. Yes. It's always wonderful. So let's get started. I, and I, I uh, apologize for having to have to miss the last two Fridays, and I'll give you a heads up. I'm going to have to miss one more Friday. This next Friday, I have uh, the last of my international employees is showing up for my lodging business, and she's arriving Friday at something like 1.30 in the afternoon, Alaska time in Anchorage. So I, I don't have a way to uh, work around that. Uh, after that, I think we should be good for the summer until uh, uh, some point in July when I'm going to be gone for a week. And other than that, uh, let's get started. So uh, the last broadcast that we had, I read a piece um, by, uh, and hang on, because I want to make sure I get her name right, Boho Dogen. And... Uh, in that piece, there were there were two things. Uh, one, somewhere in that piece, they they make reference uh, the being speaking through boho uh, make reference to love winning. And I just wanted to speak to that for a moment because I think it's really important that we remember and embrace the idea that life is not intended to be a competition. So winning and losing are really not the energy that's happening here. Experience and remembering are the energies that are happening here. Remembering love and love being the solution to all problems are really the things that are operating here. So uh, just as you're going through your day, when you can, uh, if you're so inclined, try to avoid the words winning and losing and any kind of competitive framework um, because it will help move this energy of love further along if we can depolarize uh, it. The other thing I wanted to talk about, water, for a moment, because if you're familiar at all with Dr. Emoto's work, uh, I believe his name was Manuel Emoto. Uh, he did a lot of studies with water, similar to the studies that got done back in the 60s with plants. So if you remember those studies, those studies show that if you take a living plant, a house plant, and you play classical music to it or um, any kind of beautiful music, the plant will flourish. If you speak lovingly to the plant, the plant will flourish. On the other hand, if you play acid rock for the, for the plant, and if you are not kind to the plant and you speak meanly to it, the plant will actually diminish in growth and will start to shrink and die. Well, the same principle comes into play when you uh, use water. And Dr. Emoto discovered that same thing, acid rock versus classical music. If you took water and froze it, the music, the uh, water crystals that were uh, subjected to acid rock freeze in malformed uh, crystals. And the, the water that was subjected to classical music or loving words create beautiful, perfect crystals. And so uh, the other thing that Dr. Emoto proved is that water has a memory. 
And uh, that is certainly the background for Boho Dogen's uh, channelings, right? Is that water has the memory of earth and uh, as do the trees and all of nature actually has the memory, knows why we're here and is here to support us. All of those things that, that are around us. But water particularly can, because we are 80 to 90% water, well, 60 to 90% water, depending on what part of our body you measure. So our organs have more water, our bones have less water because they're more dense. But all of our entire body overall is something like 80% water. And so I'm a living experiment because uh, back in 2007, when I first got um, Dr. Emoto's book was gifted to me, I was just getting ready to have hip surgery. And so I thought, gee, if we're made up of water, and if I were to hydrate myself with water that's been shown loving words, I wonder what would happen. And what I can say is that during that surgery, I healed remarkably quickly. After the next surgeries that I've had, I always heal very quickly. I'm fairly immune to most uh, uh, colds and, and viruses that go around. Uh, I haven't gotten COVID yet, but I've also had my inoculations. So it's hard to say with COVID. I was very resistant in the beginning. I didn't want to get uh, the inoculations because I feel like I am a living experiment. And uh, it's my intention to prove that a person that drinks words that have been shown loving phrases and, and, uh, and thoughts uh, will flourish and uh, have a different physical experience than people who don't drink water like that. And so I'm, I don't know, 12 years into the, 12 or 13 years into the experiment. I am not by any means, uh, you know, bulletproof. It's not that nothing ever goes wrong or ever happens, but it is the case that I'm very resistant to things like uh, broken bones or, you know, like sprained ankles, things like that. If I twist my ankle uh, within, I don't know, a half an hour, it can be difficult for me to figure out which ankle it was. So I do attribute that kind of resiliency to the consumption of that kind of water. So um, thank you, Amber. I'm glad you think that's cool. Uh, and I, I wanted ahead, to Mary. say something also yeah. about water, particularly. Please. Because like, I mean, I think all of nature is wonderful and, and healing and stuff. Because you mentioned trees and things and but another thing about water is it's really special because it changes forms and it's like the shareness of it. That's not the sort of, because like the water evaporates and gets absorbed back up and then becomes rain and falls back down. So it's like we live in different places, but water sort of travels and transforms. So it's really a very special sort of element in that way, I think, that kind of links us all together. And also, I don't know, I just think it probably has extra magical properties because of that. <laughs> I, I would tend to agree with you because we are, uh, so much of what we are is water. Yeah. Which is interesting because we are technically light beings. So... Uh, so I believe that the transmutation there happens when uh, water becomes uh, vapor, right? And so when we're a vapor, we can be light and we can be, we can be, uh, we can break the bounds of gravity. Whereas when we're in our physical form, the, the, that water is actually what gives us weight, really. It isn't the water that gives us weight. It's gravity that's pulling us down that gives us weight. But um, having a sense of, of a body. Uh, yeah. Because we are light beings, you know. So it is, it's really a, a mixture of elements here. 
Um, the, the other thing about water is it really does connect everything on earth. It really is, uh, it's required for life. You know, the plants need water. We need water. We're made of water. Um, and so understanding the connection between the, the need for pure water, right? I'm hesitant to go into this because so many billions of people live with compromised water. And many of them don't even think about it. Uh, and and we want to talk about interconnectedness. This is prepare yourself because this is a little. This is a fact that is actually a little gross, but it is absolutely true. And 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 more people should understand the importance of what I'm about to say. My husband. Uh, went to water treatment school because at one point we thought we were going to put in municipal water for the area where we're living in, in Alaska. And when you say municipal water, then that means that that water has to be tested and then treated in order to be potentially treated in order to be safe to consume. And what he learned when he went to water school is that people that live along the Mississippi River, that use the Mississippi River as their water source, the further south you live on that river, the more people that water has been in and out of. And that's why I say it's a really kind of gross fact. But the water that comes out of the tap in a house in, in Mississippi is it has been recycled. Let's think of it that way uh, multiple times. And so what, you know, what's in it? <laughs> and there are a lot of things that potentially are in that water that uh, aren't being tested for. Primarily my biggest concern about municipal water is pharmaceuticals because uh, most municipal water systems don't even look for pharmaceuticals. So we have a country that has all kinds of uh, illnesses occurring in it. Uh, and, the, and the increase of these illnesses is exponential over time from the 50s to now, if you look at some of these things that are, are all of the autoimmune disorders that people are experiencing, so much of the uh, childhood or disorders, the ADHD and uh, autism and all kinds of uh, other abnormal, not, not abnormalities, but anomalies, right? I, I don't want to use the word abnormal because life is experiential. And so I'm not sure in any given moment that anything is abnormal as such. But if our bodies are water and the water that we're consuming and being con exposed to is filled with things that weren't prescribed for us, what is that going to do to us? And I think it's a health concern that everyone should have and very few people really even think about. And it's frightening. It's really frightening how contaminated and toxic America has become because of our love of chemical companies. So long way around of saying, you know, try to, whenever possible, drink water that you know has been properly sourced and is as pure as possible. Um, 
So, and Amber's saying, I was just going to say drugs. Yes. Um, and, and, oh, this is fascinating because I've been going nuts to try and keep the birds hydrated. The water gets hot so fast. Yeah, that's, uh, and that's interesting, right? Um, it, it's interesting if the water is actually warming more quickly because of the things that we can't see that are in it. Mary, did you have any thoughts on this? You are muted. Thanks for reminding me I was muted. <laughs> the thought that I had is just, you know, this is the kind of thing that I tend not to think about because I have very limited, like, like limited resources of what I can do about things and then limited bandwidth. I mean, you know, I can drink filtered water, purified water as much as I can. And sometimes that's not an option. And, you know, it's just one of those things that I'm like, there are these things that are like their problems and I know their problems. And I just don't know in any given moment what I'm supposed to do about them. So, you know, that's one of those things that as much as I can, I do think that your thing about riding on the water can be helpful, even if the water itself is not the most pure because you can instill it with the energy. So that's the thing that I might think about doing more is just putting on, you know, this water loves and supports my health and well-being in every way, you know, something right. like that, so that that can mitigate whatever whatever's not in my highest and best can just flow right out of me because that's what it does. <laughs> right, right. I'm looking in my phone real quick here. I do have, um, let me see if I can be coordinated enough to show this to you. So that's a picture of the bottles that I use and the sleeves that I have on them. And I actually, uh, the, the sleeves are double-sided. I've been doing this for 12 years. So I have, or, or a little longer, um, I, I've had some time to mess around and, and experiment. When I first did it, though, I did it with the intention of uh, healing from this hip surgery. And this hip surgery in particular was the um, posterior version. So they cut through ligaments and tendons and all kinds of things to get there to, to replace the hip. And it's like a six-month recovery, physical therapy recovery. Um, they've gotten quite good at doing the anterior version now. And so um, there's like almost no recovery from that. <laughs> but the words that I had on my original uh, bottles were, Linda's body is totally healed and healthy. And Linda is filled with gratitude, appreciation, and love. And I just put that on the top of the page and then I just copied it down. So the whole page was just that word, that phrase repeated. And an eight and a half by 11 piece of paper uh, sideways landscape wraps right around one of those bottles like I showed you. And, uh, and, and, and that was a little before I got sort of obsessed with numerology as well. So now these bottles that I've shown you here, um, I've done double-sided. So I can see the words and be repeating the words to myself while I'm filling the bottles, which also I think is helpful. Uh, and then I've come up with a whole variety of phrases. And these have all been now numerologically tuned. And so I'm happy to uh, help anyone that's interested craft some phrases for your bottles and numerologically tune them with you as well. So I just throw that out there. If there's anybody listening that would like that, I'm happy to do that. Um, okay. Anything else about water at this point? All right, let's move on to, and, and Mary, I understand your, uh, I understand you're sort of, I, 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 I relate to it as overwhelm, right? Like what am I, it's so big. It's yeah. so big. Yeah. Um, 
and I, I think each of us can only just deal with our own little uh, sandbox and our own world. And so, you know, thinking for yourself in whatever ways that you can to help the frequency of the water that you're consuming. And, and, and that's another thing too, because we are so much water, we really do need to be hydrated. And a lot of people don't realize that, you know, drinking a bunch of Gatorade or drinking a a Red Bull or, you know, it's really got to be water. Uh, You can do a little to it, you know, I put a little stevia in it and I Water. put a little lemon juice in it uh, or lime juice, you know, uh, which is also a, a, a cancer uh, preventer because uh, cancer doesn't like a, an, uh, what is it? Doesn't like an acid body or likes an acid body. I don't know. I, you'd have to look. I drink an acid, so it's an alkaline. You know, it's the, the one creates the other. And, uh, and, and, and that's, I, I know that that's the formula, but I, I shouldn't get into this because I'm not, I'm not good at this. Cancer likes an acid body. And right. And the acid makes you alkaline. Exactly. There you go. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so and, and and there's so much about life right now, right? That is so overwhelming. So that's a, a nice lead into uh, one of the questions that we got. Uh, this person said, uh, astrologically, I thought things were being predicted of getting better, but it just seems like everything is getting worse. So uh, I'm not an astrologer, although I do follow several uh, and and I'm very aware of the fact that uh, it there is definitely a correlation between uh, much that I hear from the astrologers that I follow and what's happening. And one of the things that's happening is the United States is having its what is called Pluto return. And the Pluto, uh, Pluto is regeneration, transformation, and rebirth. That's the energy of that planet. And when someone says a Pluto return, it simply means that Pluto is showing up in their birth chart or in their life in the same place where it was in their birth chart. So only things that last for hundreds of years can have a Pluto return we don't, I think, ever get a Pluto return. But the United States is having a Pluto return from when it was created. In, and there's an exact date that they use for uh, the, the birth chart of America. And you can just Google that if you're curious what it is. That's the, they use that date. And, uh, and so, uh, so America right now is astrologically being supported in redefining itself. And it would look as if it's going to redefine itself as something really um, different than what it was set out to, to be, right? A, a, a free world of expression or a free country of personal expression and liberty. And what I can say to that is, and those of you that that hear me talk a lot have heard me say this before, we are what I believe to be in the throes of the dying donkey kicking the hardest. That is where I believe America and and the planet is right now. We have the very old patriarchy establishment trying to save itself trying to grasp on to the very last remnants of the things that make it uh, patriarchy. The control over women, right? Control over poor people, control over everything. Um, Just the rich get to make the decisions. That's the world that there's a handful of people that are trying to create. That's what's trying to happen here. But we know, we know from the masses that that isn't 
where the heart of America or the planet is. The heart of the planet and the heart of America are trying to embrace love for everyone, equal rights for everyone, the things that actually we came here to have, right? We all came here, and this sort of loops into one of the other questions that came up. So let me just read it so that we can talk about it all at once. Uh, I don't understand what my life purpose is. How do we know? So I'm going to tell you, everybody has the same life purpose. And you may that may shock you or uh, offend you. But it's not that we're all the same. We all have the same life purpose, and that is to create heaven on earth, to create what we dreamt of when we saw what we had created in this form on this planet, the mountains and the sun and the snow and the water and the grass and the flowers and the animals. And let's experience that. And let's live among that. There is no need to have competition. There is no need to have hate. There is no need to be afraid of anybody. These are all things that have been crafted for us to keep us in control. By people who have forgotten why they came here. And so everybody's life purpose is actually the same, to create heaven on earth. We each have our own individuated soul purposes in terms of how we go about that. But that's still what we're going about, is creating heaven on earth. Mary goes about creating heaven on earth every day by being extremely selective about her outfits and dressing in a way as to uh, really please the people around her and bring them joy. <laughs> and, they, and she does. She brings people joy every day in her choices of how she dresses. We can all choose how we're going to bring joy to people every day in our lives. And to me, that is you know, that is the heaven on earth is bringing joy to other people. And maybe it's not to everyone. I wanted to say something about, for, I want to thank you for acknowledging my joyful ensembles because, you know, it's a comparatively new thing for me just in the past few years. And it really does bring me a lot of joy and it brings a lot of joy to the people I interact with. <laughs> Um, hi, hi, Amber. Thank you. She likes my dress. And I wanted to say that like on the Fridays for this, let's create a beloved society. I have been wearing hearts as a symbolic thing, you know, to remind me that that's the point is the love. Um, but I wanted to say about the Pluto return, you know, I think it was all like transformation and rebirth and stuff. And yes, I'm not going to argue with that. But what I am going to say is that that sounds, those words don't necessarily give a rounded picture of what that process is like. And Linda mentioned the dying donkey, you know, it's like transformation, rebirth, implicit in there is the death, you know, the caterpillar becomes the gooey mess in its cocoon before it emerges as a butterfly. Um, so the Pluto return, my understanding, and I also am not an astrologer, but I read a lot on TV, no. <laughs> um, you know, stuff comes up for review. It's like the dark underbelly gets exposed during this process. And then we look at everything and decide what do we want to keep and what do we want to let go of. And these are, you know, this is like deep and serious work. Yeah. So it's not just like, you know, 
today we do a little dance and tomorrow we've created the new society, although I do believe it can be easier than we often think it is just by changing our limited perspectives. But I just want to honor the fact that these kinds of, it's process, it's a process that needs to happen. And it's, you know, people have to be willing to be a little bit uncomfortable. And kind of like that's the nature of the beast sometimes is being willing to be uncomfortable during the transformational process. And this is what I've been telling myself because I'm pretty uncomfortable lately. <laughs> I have my good days. I have my moments of joy that I create. You know, the other thing about creating heaven on earth is sometimes it's a moment by moment thing during these chaotic, you know, right now things are weird and they're challenging and they're chaotic and, you know, so I put on my happy dress and people tell me they like it and it makes us all happy. Yesterday, there's a coffee place in this building and I had noticed a while ago that they have, you know, ceramic cups there if you want to do an espresso and drink it there. Um, and they have little pink ones for a single shot. And I was, you know, I have a friend here and I was like, we have to go down there and get our espresso and drink it out of the tiny pink cups. And we've been meaning to do it for weeks and haven't done it. Well, yesterday we did that and it was such a joyful experience. So sometimes the creation of heaven on earth just involves finding those moments as you go about your day where you can create a little oasis of joy for yourself or for yourself and another person, or, you know, it can be a joint thing or it can just be a, sitting quietly and thinking about a fond memory to bring my joy back into my sphere, you know? Yes. So yes. I think sometimes we might say those things without really thinking about how we can do that on the daily, even when the daily is being a pain in the patootie. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So, yeah. Great share, Mary. Thank you. Yes. Um, and you're right. Um, the first word of Pluto is death, death, regeneration, rebirth. And we don't want to talk about that death, but that's what's happening right now. There has to be a real uh, letting go of some of the Uh, how do I want to say this? Teachings that no longer serve us. Right? There are a lot of teachings that, that are out there that really, they no longer serve us because we know better. We know better now. We know now that everything is made of the same stuff. Right? If everything is made of the same stuff, I don't understand why every single person on this planet isn't walking around in complete awe and amazement. That's what I'm doing. I mean, I'm, I'm, I walk around every day constantly in awe of what's, what's being created, co-created here. Mm -hmm. It's, it's such a miracle. Every moment of life is such a miracle. And we get all caught up in the things that make us uncomfortable and trying to avoid them. And that's really giving our power up to our housing. It's allowing the housing to sort of take over and decide how we're going to move through the day. And it's a very simple thing to do because it's what's natural. It's, it's how we grow up. If we're not taught right from when we're very little, that, hey, you got this housing, but that's not you. And it's going to try and boss you around sometime. And you need to learn how to work with it and, and uh, overcome its fears. You know, you don't want to ignore it. You, don't, you, you need to work with it because it's, it, you're living in it. And it is a reflection. 
in many cases of your interior dialogue. So a lot of people that are having health issues, many of them are coming from their water sources, and then many of them are coming from their own internal dialogue. If you're beating yourself up verbally, then that's going to get reflected in your housing and your housing is not going to want to operate as well. Also, our housing, hi, Nanette, glad to be here. I mean, glad to have you here. <laughs> glad you're here. <laughs> um, our housing will quite often manifest things wrong with it in a way, as a way to try and communicate that something's wrong. And a lot of times what we do is we ignore these things. We just ignore them. We take an Advil. We keep going. We keep going. Meanwhile, the poor body is here going, please, please acknowledge that you're, you know, you've stuffed whatever this emotion is down here now. And it's cause it's, it's, you're growing a tumor with it, you know, pay attention. And we don't. And then that's how we end up with tumors and other things that, um, there are really uh, manifestations of repressed emotions. And I want to say it's not only about our negative self-talk, although that is huge. And I highly recommend giving it up. And if you need any help with that, you know, ask a question or ask me. I mean, that's the thing I've worked a lot on. Um, but it's also like people who harbor resentments about other people. So people have negative dialogues going on in their head about other people. Oh, he did me wrong. Oh, she did this. And I know people who are still telling like negative stories about things that happened decades ago. And me, I tend to look more forward than back. And when I look back, if I'm gonna look back, I'm gonna look back at happy times, you know? Oh my God, I was in Italy the summer I turned 21 and wasn't that magical. You know, it's like, oh, I went to the beach and gosh, that was beautiful. But like if somebody hurt me 20 years ago, I don't want to give any of my energy to that. I worked it out. You know, you do have to process your emotions. Right. That's the thing that people don't learn how to do either. Like that's related to learning how to live with our um, housing, learning how to process these emotions that come up and there's nothing wrong with any of them. There's nothing wrong with being mad or sad or, you know, whatever. And that's the thing, too. We have these ideas about good emotions and bad emotions. And, oh, my God, how could I be so negative? Now my whole life will turn to crap um, <laughs> if we're manifesting things. You know what I mean? Right, but right. Like, you know, oh, I'm sad. Okay, I'm sad. If you acknowledge it instead of fighting it, then you feel it. It arises and it fades away. But when you go, oh, I'm sad and I don't want to feel that stuff, it, stuff it down, then A, you're repressing an emotion that can come out later sideways with someone else or grow into that tumor and stuff like Linda's talking about. So, you know, <laughs> learning to be present, excuse me, with our emotions and the discomfort of our physical body. And just, you know, it's all okay and allowing it to all be okay. Spent a lot of time feeling like it, some, everything was wrong. You know, I'm doing it wrong. I'm thinking the wrong thing. I'm doing the wrong thing. I'm being the wrong way. You know, um, it's all okay and just let's be you know, flowing with the river. Right, right. So, uh, and thank you for that, Mary. Amber chimes in, I've been trying to help my my brother stay out of our childhood past. Um, and, and blame, you know, is, is, uh, blame is really a key piece here. Uh, The thing is, is that everything is a co-creation, right? We're not in this by ourselves. Everyone around us and everything around us 
is helping to create the moment. And then the other piece of it is, is, is the realization that although we do experience things in a linear fashion, the, the only moment you have is the actual moment that you're in. And so the blaming thing, right? When, when, uh, you know, my mother would, would, uh, my mother would, would beat the crap out of me, uh, because she, you know, I done something wrong. So she's blaming me. I blame her for, you know, beating me. But in the end, we're, we're both a part of that engagement. And so, we we have to really break that uh break that notion that uh someone did something to us and and that we are in no way uh involved in what they did we might not have done anything wrong we might not have done anything actually to provoke it but we were a co-creator simply by being there. And so the, the idea that, that uh, uh, I'm a little, I'm a little lost here in this thought. Um, Let me, let me leave it for a while. Maybe it'll come back to me. It just sort of, I had this, I had a picture of what I was trying to say and then it just left. Um, um, yes, we, thank you, Amber. We do. We co-create all of our experiences. That doesn't mean we cause them though, right? Um, I want to, um, is it okay if I say something, yeah. Linda, about yeah. what Amber said about, I've been trying to help my brother stay out of our childhood past because I'm thinking if I talk for a minute, Maybe it'll help the ideas that we're right. trying to communicate and coalesce in your brain a Thank little you. bit. But, um, you know, as far as trying to help him stay out of your childhood past, the main thing is, has he processed your childhood past? Because if he hasn't really processed what happened, he might need to spend some time there. But it's like it's a quality of how you spend the time. Are you spending the time going, poor me, woe is me, this happened and now I'm a mess? Are you spending the time looking at it and going, okay, these things happen. I see how they relate to what I'm doing in my life now. And I would like to sever the connection that makes me think that because my childhood was this way, now it has to be like that. You know what I mean? Like, why are we are we revisiting the past to process it and deal with it like i went to therapy and i talked about my childhood you know 20 or 30 years after it had happened to get a handle on it and what had happened and then from there i could move on you know but like if you haven't if if he hasn't processed that he might have to revisit it to process it and I would recommend therapy for that. <laughs> um, just to say, it's not a question of like, nothing in our past matters. In a sense, it doesn't. But if it's causing difficulties in our present, then it's a good idea to sort of sort out those tangled threads, right? Um, but to just relive the past without trying to come to any resolution of anything I don't really that's what I was talking about if that makes sense and as far as the co-creating thing you know it can get a little sticky like you were you're trying to make a clarity there and it gets sticky for people who might feel like bad things happened and if you say they co-created it like like you're making it be their fault or whatever yeah, and that no, is not it, what we're doing. 
Yeah. And that's, that's where I got a little bogged down because it was like, I, I realized that it was sounding like that. And that isn't, that isn't what I was trying to say at all. Um, the, the way that Vito expresses it, um, Vito Mucci, I don't know if he came up here before, but he's someone who I've learned a lot from is like, so say you're talking about a woman who's abused she's not responsible for what happens to her but she's accountable because she has to deal with the ramifications of it in her life and in her body it's sort of like that it's like we didn't cause it to happen but it happened therefore it is a part of what we have created in our life that we have to co-create it we wouldn't have sat there and made that happen if we could help it but now that's part of what has become in our life and so we have to deal with the consequences sort of does that help clarify a little bit yeah and and also that uh not only are we do we need to be accountable but we we are responsible for our reaction to it yeah and in that way uh we can take our power back yeah amber says here our trials are not necessarily our fault but we need to take responsibility of being a part of the dysfunction so we stay out of victimhood which i think is a very helpful push back what did nanette say here what i find yeah. helps me no matter the past situation is to try and see it from another perspective I spent 20 plus years in a frozen and angry mode that someone I knew killed themselves in front of me. Uh, and then let's see, there's more to it. Maybe no, let's see. Maybe she's typing more. Mm, maybe. Um, yeah. And that's what you're saying. Our right. reactions and how right. we respond to these things right. are definitely our creation. Well, and that's really, so that's really the piece that I think uh, doesn't get taught when we're young and yeah. doesn't get spoken about much when in adulthood. And that is, is that we are always in control of ourselves. And if we choose not to be, what that means is that we're letting the housing run us and uh and and you're never your best self if you're letting your housing run you because your ego has just some very specific wiring for you know freeze fight flight so in in most cases you're going to react in an upsetting situation with one of those modes and really there are other ways to react or to respond when you stay in your power and you take that moment to allow the feeling to hit and then work through the feeling as opposed to acting on the feeling. And that's where I, I think our early training has has failed us yeah like when i was a kid i was i tended towards anger and maybe someone would say take a breath or count to 10 or something but it there wasn't really a clear explanation of like we have an emotional reaction right. and the the thing is to make a space between the emotional reaction and the action that we then take and I learned that the hard way by, you know, like flouncing into my room and slamming the door and then realizing I couldn't stay in there forever. And eventually I had to rejoin society and I always felt sort of embarrassed with my tail between my legs. Um, but um, yeah, Amber asks if our housing is our ego. And I think that it's definitely related, I think our ego is what wants to protect our housing, right? The ego is the impulse to protect our housing. 
And so they are related. And right. the idea is we don't want either of them running the show. And, you know, I am a very emotional person. And so, like, I, I, I am not always in control of my emotions, so to speak. Like, I have a little flare-up, and Linda's seen me say, you know, I want to beat someone up or something. But it's like, that's also how I process the emotion now. I'm like, I'm so angry. I just want to, you know, like, run amok and smash things. And I say that, and then I don't have to actually run amok and smash things, right? Um, yeah. Anyway, do you want to read what Nanette said here? Linda, yeah, I will. I will. Yeah. Um, so first, uh, Amber said I was going to ask if our housing is our ego. And basically, your housing is, is the housing. Your ego is the wiring system of the housing. Right. Um, now, so Nanette was saying that, um, and this is about the idea of look, shifting your perspective on something. I went to a psychic who told me that this person that had committed suicide in front of her was very sorry for taking a part of Nanette with him. And the psychic said to look at it as if you midwifed him into the next life. And Nanette continues to say, um, that message was miraculous and really helped me change the way you look at things is what came through for me. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and that's a beautiful story. Thank you for sharing that, Nanette, because that really is a beautiful story of how when you look at something from a different perspective, you can see things differently. What's fascinating to me is that uh, Matt Kahn just last week did a whole teaching on shifting perspective. And um, I really, I need to go back and listen to that teaching again. The takeaway that I got at the moment, though, was that we are way, way, way too hard on ourselves. Those of us in this spiritual realm uh, who have been studying for years, we often uh, we we think of it as working on ourselves, <laughs> and and. Uh, he was suggesting, I, I think, that we sort of let some of that go and uh, just work more towards just loving ourselves and being with ourselves and not always feeling as if, you know, the, the next guru is going to have the answer or whatever that is, that sense of needing to be better and better at what we are. Yeah. Uh, um, I want to say a couple of things. Nanette, I mean, Neil Donald Walsh, we, Linda, Nanette and I are in a Neil Donald Walsh book club on Sunday mornings. And he has a book, I think, that's called change, When You Change the Way You Look at Things, the Things You Look at Change. Right. And it's really true. And as far as, you know, I thought a while ago, I was thinking about meaning, meaning, like what do things mean? And the answer came, I came up with is, Nothing means anything except for the meaning we give it. It's like life is happening. Things are happening. And none of it inherently means anything. We look at it and we go, oh, this means that, and this means that, and the other thing means that. Right. And really, it's all just life living itself right. and unfolding. And, you know, we can make ourselves miserable by the meaning we give to things. Right. And, you know, I spent a lot of time seeking and learning and reading. And, you know, that's kind of how I, I mean, you know, a lot of us spend a lot of time doing that. And somewhere along the line, I absorbed the message. You know, Linda says it a lot. There's nothing wrong here. And I extended that to me. There's nothing wrong here. I am a pretty awesome person. I'm human. I screw things up. I try to say I'm sorry really, really fast when I feel I need to and, you know, keep going. And let's face it, I'm always doing the best I can in any minute. Sometimes it's good. Sometimes my best effort is kind of shitty, you know, but it's my best effort in that moment. So it's fine. And right. I noticed that I've basically kind of quit. I've quit going to things, listening to things, unless it's someone I know and love, you know, it's just like, I have all the information 
and I don't really need to cram more stuff in here. And I'm not looking, I'm not looking for answers anymore. The answer is I'm doing my best to love myself and love everyone else. And, you know, that's what I'm doing here. I'm just trying to spread my little love bubbles as best I can. And I'm content with that. And I don't need anyone to tell me how to do it anymore. You know, it's like, right. well, that's because I've come to understand that's my purpose here on earth. And I've come to understand that that's my purpose. And once you come to that place where you feel like you really get it, then you can let go of all that. I need to fix this and do that. Right. And, right. You know? Right. Yeah. 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 Thank you, Mary. It, right. Really. It, it's loving ourselves first, right? It's, it's understanding who we are and, and loving the creation that we are. And Amber, I wanted to go back and, and just make the suggestion too, perhaps your brother is not aware of this, but uh, realizing that when people do things that are hurtful to other people, that it is a sign that they are themselves in some kind of hurting state. And, and that can quite often be all that is needed to clear some of those childhood traumas that we experienced. Yes. Um, my mother was a drunk. When I was little, I thought it was my fault. When you get older, you, you realize and you learn that, no, that was because she was very broken and that brokenness came from her, not me. Yeah. And when she would lash out at me, it was because she was herself in some form of pain, maybe not physical, but mental. And that is really what we have a whole country here uh, experiencing right now. And uh, we have, a, we have uh, people in the Ukraine are experiencing that same thing, right? Uh, in the case of the people in the Ukraine, uh, Mr. Putin's feelings are hurt. And his uh, belief that uh, something that belonged to his country uh, should belong again and so he's he's acting out of hurt basically he's hurting he's making other people hurt in our country there are people who have some beliefs they are actually the minority of the people in the country but they have uh managed to uh, gain power through uh not such honest and straightforward methods either. They're in pain because they believe that uh, they believe they're right and they believe they have rights to, to do these things. And so they're exercising them, but they're, they're in pain. They're in pain. And to look at it any other way uh, is to miss the point that the, that the, the discomfort that they are causing other people is because they are in their own discomfort. Right. Um, a thing that I was told in an NLP class, and it could be sort of con controversial to some people, is this idea that in any given moment, everybody is doing the best they can with the resources then at their disposal. And that is the huge caveat because you know sometimes the recess sources that we have at our disposal are not good Correct. and we're doing what we think is right and it's incredibly damaging or hurtful to someone else right and that could be because we're operating from that place of intense hurt ourselves you know so i found that really liberating when i realized that you know that person was doing the best they can and it was shitty, but that's the best they could do. <laughs> right, right. And that is really a, a very true statement that, that uh, by human nature, 
we are always uh, doing the best that we can. And, and so when we're not doing good, it means that we're broken and we yeah. need, we need compassion and we need help. All right, folks. Well, it's 12 o'clock straight up. I want to thank Nanette and Amber for being here. <clears throat> I want to remind you, we will miss next Friday, uh, but then we should be back on for uh, some period of time. And uh, uh, Mary, any last thoughts? Just, I want to thank Nanette and Amber also for sharing what they shared. Yes. That is, you know, some really vulnerable sharing and we appreciate that. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. And I'll miss you guys next week when we're not here. Yeah. And I think this was a good conversation. So thank you for sharing it with us. Yes. Thank you everyone for your comments and participation and vulnerability. And uh, Amber, I, I, uh, uh, I, I wish your brother uh, great ease. Uh, yes. So, all right. Two weeks from now, we'll look forward to it. If you have questions and you want to submit them ahead of time, you can email questions at walkingthroughyourwalls.com. You can call or text the number 907-351-3003. And, uh, uh, blessings to you all. Thank you so much. Thank you, Mary, for being here as my co-host. Thank you. Namaste. Namaste.